And bonjour all you gardening cats and gators. Welcome to Gardening with Cisco, December 29th. So, uh, hey, I hope you all had a great Christmas and uh, looking forward to a fun New Year. So, should be great. And uh, I got to say, there's no doubt in my mind now, we are having November and December in Washington, in western Washington anyway, this just is so much like the weather we normally get in uh, November with the windstorms and everything. So just more of our topsy-turvy kind of weather we're getting this year. So what can you say? Hey, I'll be flying solo today. So if you want to give me a call, one triple eight nine seven three Cairo one triple eight nine seven three five four seven six. So a few things to let you know. Uh, I'll be kicking off my busy uh, year of garden talks, and I have quite a few of them I'll be giving this year. And uh, the big kickoff is at the Puyallup Home and Garden Show, and I'll be there Sunday, January 6th at 1 p.m. So uh, I'm hoping, I of course, I want the Seahawks to be in the, playhawk, uh, the playoffs, but I don't want them to play on Sunday. <laughs> On Sunday, January 6th, this happened to me once before, and uh, you do get a bit of diminished crowds when that happens, let me tell you. So hopefully uh, somebody else will be playing, and I hope lots of you come. It's a really fun show. I'm going to be giving away one of my famous Gardening with Cisco t-shirts, just one, to one lucky person who comes. And I'll be giving out some uh, really nice plants, too, so it should be a lot of fun. All right. Hey, want to let you know a couple other things. Uh, Garden Delights is still going at the Bellevue Botanical Garden, but it's only going for tonight and tomorrow, and that's it. So if you haven't seen that fantastic light show, you got uh, two more chances tonight or tomorrow. It's probably cool to see when all lights are blowing (laughs) in the wind, you know. So... uh, Anyway, that's the last times, just so you know. And, uh, hey, there's a really uh, great winter lecture series that's about to begin. It's a Sustainable Gardening Winter Speakers Series, and it's uh, put on by the Snohomish County Master Gardeners. So I've spoken at that many, many a time over the years. And um, so the first lecture coming up is January 4th. So that's next uh, Friday. All the talks are on Friday. And uh, it features Kerry Thornton talking about the secrets of veggie herb companion planting. That's something I'm not too good at. I got to admit it. I I know that uh, everything in the pea family hates everything in the onion family. But that's about as far as I know about companion planting. So anyway, it should be uh, a good talk. So um, I think they start at like 9.30. Now, I think uh, there's a link right on the front page of Cisco.com, and it's also in my events page. But if you want to buy the the whole series, uh, I I can't remember what it costs, but you can— you could buy the whole series and go to all of those, and I don't think any are sold out yet, so it's not too much. 
But if if you want to go to individual talks, then you got to fork out twenty bucks for each talk, and you only get in if there's room for you. But uh, generally, there is in most of these, at least the ones I've done. And uh, so, and by the way, it's at a new place. So uh, if you used to go to that church down near uh, near the ferry, <laughs> that's all I can remember. Uh, don't go there. It's at a new place. So you can find all that just by going to the link on Cisco.com. And, hey, I'll be speaking there on Friday, March 29th. And uh, so uh, just so you know, and I I want that to sell out, by the way. (laughs) Okay. Let me see if there's anything else. Well, just uh, going to remind you that – my Gardens of Japan tour is going to go next fall, November 2019, and uh, there's only room for 16 people on that thing, and uh, we're going to be going in uh, November for 13 nights. So if you want to go see Japan, uh, this is your chance to do it with a lot of fun people and have a really good time. We're going to do some cool things on that. I've also... uh, I got a great email from someone at City Fruit talking a lot more about how to net your uh, your fruit trees. So uh, I'll talk more about that at some other time. I need to reread all the stuff. But I'm writing a, an article about that that's going to be in my next book. If If you've been sending me emails— and you're not getting anything back from me. <laughs> uh, it could be because I am on a really tight deadline to finish my next book. I had to have 65,000 words written by uh, February 1st, and we've adjusted that a little bit, but uh, it's going to be similar to that, and so I'm really on a tight deadline to get that book done. It's short stories about gardening, and, uh, you know, whenever, if you come to one of my talks, you always hear me tell a story. <laughs> I I can't control that. It's just part of me, you know. So uh, so I decided it'd be a fun book to write, and I am having a lot of fun writing it, and it's got a lot of fun stories in it. But that's going to come up probably around uh, the time of the Flower and Garden Show, not this year, but next year. So it takes a long time to get everything done. And, you know, after I get it done, get done writing it, then it comes back to me after somebody else reads it with lots of suggestions for changes and editing. And so uh, it's kind of a lot of work to tell you the truth, <laughs> but it's fun too. It's fun to write a book. So, uh, and you know, you got to keep me busy or I'll get into mischief for sure. <laughs> All right. Okay, I think we're ready to take a break. Hey, I hope some of you will give me a call and we'll talk gardening. But I, of course, have about 8 million emails that I get. And I will talk about those if I don't get a call. So right back on 97.3 Cairo FM. Okay. All right, we're going to Gene. Okay. All right. Hey, Gene, what's going on out there in Radio Land? Hi. Oh, now I can hear you. Hi. I didn't hear what you said before. Hi. Oh, I was going to talk to you about Brookman. 
Okay. we lost her but um gene if you're listening i think i can answer your question i got the gist of it that things aren't going good for these brugmansias which are angel trumpets with uh you know they probably have foot-long flowers they open their nectaries at night they come from brazil and south america they open their nectaries at night hoping to attract a moth that lives down in south america that pollinates them. So uh, fortunately, we don't have that moth. So you don't have a million moths flying around your plant. But they'd still open those nectaries and the, the fragrance is just supreme. So how frustrating for Gene having these plants and just not being able to get them to bloom. The trick with these things is to not cut them down real, real far if you let them go dormant in the winter. Here's what I do when I grow Brugmansia, and I don't don't have any in my garage this year. I throw them in my unheated garage in front of a window, and I have a lot of windows on the south side of my garage. There's like 70 plants in my garage right now. I mean, uh, I don't know how people got this idea that garages are for cars. What a waste of great gardening space. So I would throw my angel trumpet or Brugmansia in front of a window in a cool situation and try to keep it growing, not let it go dormant. Now, a lot of really good friends of mine let them go totally dormant. They grow back. They bloom like crazy, but they don't cut them back very far. The farther you cut them back, the less chance you got of them coming back and blooming. So that's one of the first keys. If you can keep it growing, Now, it's going to look like heck. When it gets really cold, they really suffer, but they just kind of keep going. You don't want them to go dormant if you can help it because it takes a long time for them to come out of dormancy, and that's one of the problems. So if you can keep it going, water only when you see it really droop. Uh, You don't fertilize the ring, but you keep it in bright light. Then in the spring, every nice day, you take that Brugmansia out and put it against a south wall. Let it break any dormancy it's in. Get it growing as well as you can. Now, you might transplant it back into the same pot or a bigger pot, whatever you've got. You could start fertilizing it. Start with a gentle amount, not full blast. Use something that's not too high in nitrogen, but uh, you want to get it growing. And then... Once Mother's Day comes along, that plant is out in the sunshine for the rest of the summer. You you got to fertilize a tweedle out of angel trumpets to get them to bloom well. And you want to use something high in phosphorus, that second number that's in the fertilizer, uh, what you call it, their formula. So, uh, I, you know, I've used a lot of things. I've actually used Miracle Grow. I've used uh, Bloom Big, I think it's called. There's a bunch of different ones, but you want to use Bloom whenever you can. And uh, fertilize every week. 
Keep them really well watered. Keep them in a sunny spot. Let it get a little root bound. That's all right. That'll stress the plant, make it bloom even more. And with a little bit of luck, Gene, I think it's worth trying again. I think you can get those Brugmansias to bloom all summer for you. Don't cut them down too far. If you let them go dormant, let them sit up. Okay, so we're going to take a break. Here we Oh, go to okay, we're going to Ann right now. I got it. Thanks, Brian. Hey Ann, welcome from uh, Bellingham. Hi. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. I think you're having transmission troubles. Okay, um, Cisco. Uh huh. I need to. I need a plant suggestion. Plants that bloom and maybe are at least two and a half feet high. Something that I can also cut down for um, bouquets. But this is on the east side of the house. There's a space, and it gets light. From early morning, and I'd say maybe 12.30, 1 o'clock, 12.30. And I just have not had luck. I put Cosmos in, and I didn't realize it was a short Cosmos. (laughs) These Cosmos fell over. And and then I put, I also had Cosmos in the back, and I had uh, Snapdragons in front, and they didn't seem to work. I don't know why. They just didn't. Hmm. I'm trying to think of what would be a really attractive, uh, cool plant to put out there that's going to bloom all summer long. So I think we want to go annuals here for sure. Um, Those were annuals. Yeah, so those were all annuals. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, okay, Nicotiana is an annual that likes kind of... uh, not too hot sun, not too shady. That might do well. And it's fragrant is, in the evening, too. What is that? Uh, Nicotiana, it's, it's a relative of um, petunia. And so it, it has flowers, kind of um, tube-shaped flowers. It's quite pretty, quite fragrant. Uh, just, uh, give me, I can't... It's called what? Cochiana? Uh, Nicotiana, like uh, oh, nicotine. Nicotiana. Yeah, Nicotiana. Yeah, but I got another one for you, too. Um, yeah, I think, I think I know. Don't they call that the tobacco, tobacco, the tobacco flower? Tobacco flower, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know what else would be really cool? Heliotrope. Have you ever grown heliotrope? That's an old-fashioned flower. Yeah. It's got I, purple. I love heliotrope. The smell is outstanding. Oh, yeah. It's one of the best plants I know. That should thrive perfectly in the description that you just gave me of oh, that because, area. You know, I grow heliotrope, but they're always in containers. I have them in containers. In fact, I have two in my garage. Well, those so love. Nice. I, cut them, I cut them down to see if I could winter them over. Oh, well, that's a good idea, and they often do winter over. But uh, you, can, you can plant those as annuals, and you could dig them up if you want and try and winter them over, but you can grow those as annuals out there. In fact, a mix of Nicotiana and Heliotrope would look so cool. It would be unbelievable. You know, Heliotrope is probably one of the most wonderful, fragrant 
flowers, and if you plant it someplace like a, a walkway and people are coming to your house, they'll say, what is that? Yeah, but you know, you there, know, is, there is one thing bad about that, you know, and that's because uh, people, they bend over to smell the flowers and their socks start rolling up and down uncontrollably. <laughs> no, that's no. a serious problem. <laughs> no, Cisco, they fall over because they don't have good balance. <laughs> <laughs> But that would be a nice, that'd be a really nice combination, I think. And um, Because heliotrope, I found, if you put heliotrope in sunshine, the leaves get uh, sort of like they're burnt. They yeah. dry up. Yeah, they don't like too much sun, but they probably no. would love well, I those. I didn't think about that, the morning sun. Now, I have, you know, I brought them in, but they're sort of, they're not by a window. They're just sitting down there on the floor. And I'm wondering if that's bad for them. Yeah. Just two pots. Well, yeah, because the only way you're going to keep those heliotrope alive is to keep them growing. So you have oh, okay. to, they, they don't like going dormant. That would be the end of them. Oh, okay, so they need to go up by a window. i got to go look at them. Yep. Okay. I also brought in a, um, oh, so nice outside, oh, a coleus. It was so nice. And I used to grow coleus in the house yeah. years ago. So did else. I. Yeah, and, it used to uh, be quite the house plant, coleus. Yeah, and, they were very wonderful. So this one was beautiful outside. So I went and I put in the garage, and it's just losing its leaves. I don't think it likes it there because it's probably 50 above. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> it may be too cold even for it. You well, know, yeah, and, too cold for a tropical plant. Yeah. So that's a good suggestion. It never occurred to me about heliotrope. Boy, that is a wonderful, wonderful plant. Great. Wonderful yeah. plant. Oh, that's wonderful. Hey, and just yeah. for the heck of it, throw a couple of geraniums, like fancy leaf geraniums or something in that little combo. And... Uh, I think they smell so good it's unbelievable, and they're pretty, they love those kind of conditions. I grow a lot of the fancy leaf geraniums in my shade pots, and they bloom all summer. So you could throw a well, few of those in, too. The, the lemon and the, the lemon-flavored, yeah. rose-flavored. Miss, uh, Miss Wilmont, I think it's called. I'm not sure. But that one, oh my gosh, it's the most fragrant of all of them. Anybody that walks by can't resist rubbing their hands on it. Geranium? Yeah. And I have to run because uh, we have to get to the news. But uh, this has been a great call, Ann, and I yeah, really okay. appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And I'm sure it's raining in Seattle. Oh, yeah, it here. sure is. Well, hey, have we a happy new walk. year. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 All right, back 97.3, Cairo FM. Hey, welcome back. And boy, it's a windy weekend. <laughs> It's been pretty amazing. It's blowing all the covers that I keep putting over my more tender plants right off. That's the only problem I'm having with this. Uh, hey, uh, so if you want to give me a call, feel free, one 973 But right now, we're going to Renton to talk to Janet. Hey, Janet, what's happening? Hey, Cisco. <laughs> Hi. I'm I have an indoor plant uh, question for you. Okay. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I took a cutting of a heart-shaped philodendron back in Maine. 
Oh. When we were traveling, I put it in a wet paper towel in a plastic bag. Now I have grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> it's amazing. What I what I just need to know, Cisco, is uh, about the winter and all that. Uh, what should I do to make sure they're safe? Well, I think the key thing is to keep them in the same amount of lighting. You know, they're not a plant that wants to be in blasting hot sun, of course, but they love bright light. Yeah. So I would keep them in bright light, keep them warm. They like room temperature. Mm-hmm. And uh, But the key is you don't want to overwater, and it's so easy to do. So if they're, if they're quite root-bound which, you know, plants do get that way, especially when you've got a cutting and you're slowly but surely potting it up into bigger pots every year. Mm-hmm. Then I'd say, uh, you know, when you water, if the water ran right through into the saucer, then I would probably want to make sure that I watered quite often. But Yeah, that, that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, then you don't want to overdo that watering for anything. So what I would do... When you water, pick up the pot and feel how heavy it is. Then don't water. Uh, actually, before you water, pick it up and feel. If it feels really light, give it a drink. Then pick it up and feel how heavy it is. Don't water it again till you pick it up and it feels really light again. Okay. That's a great way because it's hard to stick your finger in the soil. You know, we're always recommending, yeah, stick your finger to the first joint. That's really hard to do in a lot of house plants. So the weight factor is a really good one to just just pick them up and only water when they feel really light. Or if you see the plants start to droop, that's usually a sign. If you haven't been watered much, that's a sign, yep, you need to give it a drink. And okay. no fertilizer until about uh, early March. Then you can uh-huh. give it a, a little shot of fert. That was my next question. <laughs> ah, yeah. Yeah, because plants, you know, things like uh, philodendrons are not really grown at all in the wintertime. They're not totally dormant, but they're not putting any energy into growing. They're just basically surviving through the winter in spring, they start taking off, and that's when you got to make sure that they got some food to keep that going, and you start watering more often at that point. And you'll know you have to because you'll feel that pot get lighter much quicker as it starts to use more water in all its physiological functions. So, Okay. Now, uh, as far as uh, grand, uh, great-grandchildren, uh, can I cut them? <laughs> No. Well, uh, you sure can. And um, it's best, if you're going to prune them a lot, it's best to do it in spring when they're actively growing. Okay. Yeah, but you can take a couple, you know, uh, some ends off some branches and, uh, you know, just stick them in water. The nice thing about doing that is then they're well-rooted in spring when they're ready to grow, and you can pot them up, and they'll take right off. Okay. So I always take a few cuttings uh, this time of year, but I take most of them in the spring. Okay. So I should just pretty much leave them alone. I think leave them alone, give them a little water when they need it. Keep an Mm -hmm. eye, make sure they don't get any scale or, 
you know, mealy bugs or anything like that. You know, keep uh, always keep an eye out for bugs on your plants. Actually, Finally. I should go home and do that today myself. <laughs> I haven't done that for a while. Yeah, I should sp- uh, spritz them a little bit here and there. Yeah, but always, if you're going to spritz house plants, always do it in the morning. Oh. Yeah, they they don't really like getting spritz late in the day. They don't want to go to bed wet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they really like to be nice and dry when it's time for Betty Bye. So, (laughs) okay, (laughs) okay. Well, Cisco, thanks so much for the advice. Hey, thanks so much for the call. Nice talking to you, Janet. You too. Okay, bye bye. Bye bye. All right, Jeff, we're going to get you after we take a break, all right? So uh, don't you go away, and we'll be right back on 97.3 Cairo FM. I'm not sure where we're exactly going on this call, (laughs) but we've got Jeff on the line. Are you in France, Jeff? I I am a a lovely Zone 9 uh, climate. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, well, cool. Were you lucky? How fun can you get? Well, (laughs) you you wouldn't think it was fun if you were were doing what I was doing today. So I'm going to set a puzzle for you. Okay. And I've listened to you for years, from when I lived in Seattle to Memphis to Boise and, and uh, now to France. You know, this is a, a situation that is difficult because the house that I bought some, I don't know, just earlier this year has in the garden a spot that was previously an above-ground pool with a depression perhaps a foot deep for a 20-foot round you know, diameter circle. Uh-huh. And the, the soil the soil in this area, I, from the bottom of the garden, I can see the roof of a factory that for 500 years has made red clay roof tiles. Oh, well, no. That should have been, <laughs> that, that should have been a hint. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a bad hint. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's what soil has been used to fill, you know, the, the portion uh-huh. up to that depression. I have a foot to fill. You cannot get a truck, a lorry, up the lane that I live in. So bringing in compost is impossible in this hamlet unless I do it by bags. And you can imagine oh my what that would take for a sudden. So I am looking for a solution. What I've been doing this fall has been gathering every friend and neighbor's leaves, raking them, shredding them, piling them, and, and layering them with other compost from the garden some soil that I've taken out of high spots in the garden and so on. And it's not a solution that needs to happen overnight, but at some point in the next few years, it would be nice to be able to plant something in that space. Well, there's two choices you've got. You can find things that love living in the worst soil on earth, (laughs) and there are quite a number of plants. So that's one option. You know, red twig dogwood is the one that comes to mind right away. That can live in practically everything. There's road jersey otters. There's a lot of plants. And so you can you, you can look those up on the web, find out what a living schluck. But 
<laughs> I don't think adding all this compost and everything is going to really solve your problem there. Because, uh, you know, the problem is you've got all that red clay a foot down, let's say. So uh, as long as it's a big, long area and you raise the soil a foot, yeah, you can plant most anything you want there then. As long as it doesn't fill up with water and act like a bathtub, which is what often happens when you try and, uh, you know, fix things. So here's what. Here's what I would do if I were you. And with the with the I'm sorry, go ahead. If I were you, what I would do is I would uh make a deal with <laughs> someone that sells uh topsoil and say, All right, look, I gotta have it put in bags. You could even say, Look, I'll hire someone they can come and put it in the bags for me and bring it to my house. I'd eventually fill that not with compost or anything, I would fill that up with the best soil you can find and mound it up even higher. Then you're going to be able to plant practically anything you want. You're going to have to water a little, and I know if you're down there in Provence, there's not a whole lot of water in there, in that area. But, um, but you know, I'm, not in, I'm not in Provence. We do, we do get reasonable rainfall throughout throughout the year summer months are a bit dry but okay but we do get uh, a reasonable amount of rain well then i i would figure out a way to bring in topsoil and it'll save you a lot of time and a lot of heartache because adding all that compost and everything it's just not going to work in my opinion because if you mix that in with that clay that would take so many years to straighten that mess out so by bringing in potting soil and putting it above, or just good topsoil that you can buy, putting it above, you can make a berm, and you you literally can grow any plant on earth you want. Hmm. Well, it's interesting doing a perk test in part of the garden. Most of this is is clay. What's not clay sits on top of... Uh, the tete de roche, which is the limestone sheet underneath the clay. Uh-huh. And if you if you, but other than that, it's really good. If <laughs> if you dig a hole and do a perk test, a yeah, huh? twelve to eighteen inch hole, it will actually drain over the course of four hours. Over four hours. So That's are, not bad. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. Then you probably can fix that by mixing compost in. But uh, you know, you but I think you better start making a lot of compost. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, if I can find a way, the idea I hadn't thought of having someone bag topsoil for me. That's a good suggestion. I that's the way I'd go. It'll be a lot quicker. It'll be better, and I think it'll work a hundred percent. And a thousand trips up the lane with a wheelbarrow. Yeah. Well, think you're gonna <laughs> eat your Brussels sprouts over there. You're gonna live till you're a hundred fifty years old from all this exercise. <laughs> all right. Thank you very much. Okay. Merci. Au revoir. A tout à l'heure, alligator. <laughs> Bye, Jeff. Thanks. Well, everyone, thanks so much for tuning in today. Much, much appreciated. And uh, so I have a very important thing to tell you at the end of the show today, and that's because of New Year's. And uh, so I've kind of done a study on all kinds of cultures and what they eat on New Year's to bring them uh, health 
happiness and prosperity. And what I have found is that in almost every society, they eat something round. And the idea is that it connects the circle. Life's in a big circle. And so by eating something round, you kind of connect last year with this year. And uh, it just makes for a really nice connection to the new year. And uh, if you eat the right thing, it'll really bring you a lot of uh, health, luck, and prosperity. Two guesses what it is. (laughs) Brussels sprouts! (laughs) So you have to, when you get up on uh, New Year's Day, you have to eat a big breakfast of Brussels sprouts. And if you manage to survive that, especially if you went to a really good party the night before, I guarantee you will have a wonderful uh, 2019. Okay. I'm not doing it, but you should try it. Hey, everybody, thanks a lot, Brian. Thank you. Happy New Year, everyone. See you in the new year. Bye-bye.